Oh, truth and diversity come to Radio Simi. Hey everyone, welcome to Radio Simi. I'm your host, Aliyah Ewing. And I'm your guest co-host, Haura Lamara. This week, we'll be interviewing a Ventura County Yimby founder and lead, Rebecca Alberon, to talk about housing in Simi and the greater area. We'll also be going over the latest news and some more Simi Valley updates. We're running low on songs to share for our episodes, so if you know of any local artist, please send them our way. Here are your COVID-19 updates. There are 32 new COVID cases, 5,532 new tests performed, and four additional deaths. Doubling time is 1,994.3 days, and eligibility for the vaccine is open to everyone ages 16 and older. There are currently 85% ventilators available and 30.2% adult ICU beds available throughout Ventura County as of Friday, April 23rd, 2021. Today we're going to be talking about COVID-19, specifically the vaccines, because, you know, going into the summer months, it looks like the light's at the end of the tunnel and we might be out of this sooner than you think. With all this hullabaloo about vaccines going around, we thought it would be helpful to talk about some of the science and the history of vaccines, why they work, why you should get them, and yeah, let's get into it. So vaccines have been around in one form or another around the world for a while now. We first see evidence of vaccines specifically in West African societies. They used inoculation specifically against smallpox. In fact, the first smallpox vaccine that was developed in America came from a West African slave. The word vaccine actually comes from smallpox because back in the day, in order to get inoculated or vaccinated from smallpox, they would get you, they would give you cowpox. Cowpox is significantly less severe than smallpox. So you could get cowpox and only feel flu-like symptoms, maybe even worse, but you wouldn't die. And then once you had cowpox, you were guaranteed to not get smallpox, which is much, much worse than cowpox. That's actually where the word vaccine comes from. It comes from Spanish and Romance languages word for cow, vaca, vaca, vaccine. So it actually comes from there. And I know you may see a lot of vaccine skepticism online, but that's really nothing new. Vaccine skepticism has existed ever since the development of the first vaccine. People have been afraid that it wasn't work. It wasn't actually that effective. And they've been having their points against it. They've always been against it ever since it started. So it's not anything new. And in fact, the COVID-19 vaccine actually has some very simple science. The science around the COVID-19 vaccine actually hinges upon mRNA. The M in that stands for messenger RNA. It actually encodes how to build proteins. Now, proteins are things in your cells that do functions. They just do stuff. So when your cells are given from the vaccine, the mRNA, that mRNA will tell your cells how to build proteins that will destroy the COVID-19 virus, meaning that you'll be immune. So 
it's actually not complicated and it's not actually microchipping you. I know it's a big revelation, but we've actually found that they're not trying to microchip you. You know, it's fun. Now that you know a little bit more about the science, you know a little bit more about the history, hope you guys can get your vaccines and hopefully I'll see you in person if this thing actually ends because people get their vaccine. That's all for me. I will see you all next time. Here's what's going on in local politics. The lack of housing in California is astounding. About one out of every four unhoused people in the United States live in California. This is mainly because California has nice weather and lots of large cities. I know that many people still use the term homeless instead of unhoused and may be confused as to the recent change in labels, so I want to explain. According to unhoused.org, the label of homeless has derogatory connotations. It implies that one is less than a person who was housed, and it undermines self-esteem and progressive change. The use of the term unhoused instead has a profound personal impact upon those in insecure housing situations. It implies that there is a moral and social assumption that everyone should be housed in the first place. To summarize, the word unhoused takes the blame off of the individual and instead upon a society that refuses to provide adequate housing. Abraham Maslow proposed a theory in the 1940s and called it Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. If you haven't seen it before, it looks like the food pyramid. The basic idea of the pyramid is that the bottom layer is a list of needs you have to have before successfully moving up to the topmost layer, which is self-actualization, something that we're all striving for. In order to get to self-actualization though, you need to accomplish the bottommost layer, which are your physiological needs. These needs include air, water, safety, food, sleep, and of course, shelter. What this means is that without shelter, it's incredibly difficult to accomplish anything else like employment, friendship, and gaining self-esteem. So by providing housing, we could help our unhoused population get jobs, healthcare, and other things that they might need. Simi Valley currently ranks third in our county for having a large homeless population with over 100 people. Simi Valley has very little low-income housing, and despite the community coming out time and time again, showing our planning commission and city council that people in Simi Valley support building more low-income housing units, our government has been more than reluctant to act. We'll be talking about this more in depth with local housing advocate Rebecca Alberon. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rebecca. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, yes, well, thank you for inviting me. Um, my name is Rebecca Alberon, and I am a resident of Simi Valley. I am a founding member, a co-founding member of Ventura County YIMBY, which stands for Yes in My Backyard, and I am a current lead um, with Ventura County YIMBY. What is Ventura County YIMBY? So Ventura County YIMBY is a housing grassroots organization. Uh, YIMBY stands for Yes in My Backyard, which is a direct uh, call to action for all the folks that do not want housing. Um, and that is known as not in my backyard. So, um, you know, in order to combat that, we call ourselves YIMBY, Yes in My Backyard. We are advocates for low income, affordable housing in Ventura County. When did you get involved in YIMBY and what does it mean to you? Um, I first got involved with Ventura County YIMBY back in 2019. Um, I think I got a random Facebook message. <laughs> um, at that time, they were starting to organize the group 
and invited me to um, what would be one of our first meetings. And it was out in Oxnard and I was fired up. I was definitely wanting to join that because I had been attending uh, city council meetings and I had been listening into planning commission meetings and I had been keeping up to date with um, some articles that were coming out on developments. And I was hearing a lot of hearing and seeing a lot of negative feedback. So for me, it meant an, an opportunity to be able to fight back against that um, in an organized way. And I was completely new to being or calling myself a housing advocate. So I felt that Ventura County Yimby, you know, being part of that group, um, what became Ventura County Yimby was a, a tool for me. What has Yimby been doing so far? Um, we have been advocating for um, low-income housing and affordable housing um, throughout Ventura County. So mainly what we have been doing is advocating for particular projects, developments in um, different cities throughout Ventura County. So what we will do is we will um, hone in a particular development that we feel will be good for the community and, you know, that will provide affordable housing. And what we will do is we will go to uh, planning commission meetings, community meetings, city council meetings, county meetings, or uh, planning commission meetings at the county level. And we um, vocalize our support um, to kind of combat those NIMBY comments of people that definitely show up. So that has been some of our work. And right now we are moving towards really supporting legislation. Um, so in addition to uh, that local um, advocacy, we're also moving to supporting legislation that's coming down to the state because we understand that it can't just be fixed at the local level. What do you think is the biggest issue facing um, the unhoused in Ventura County? It's definitely people not wanting to build housing for unhoused folks. That, I mean, that's just, that's just what it is. It's not wanting people in your community, um, even though they are community members. And a lot of the issues, you know, that surround unhoused folks are, are policy issues that we have the ability to fix. It's simply not wanting to house those folks. Why do you think they don't want to house these people? You know, there is, I think, perceptions of a worthiness, whether, um, you know, a person is worthy of having even the most minimal um, thing, which is shelter, which is literally protection from the elements. And it's really sad that, you know, we don't even see enough value in a person or humanity in a person to say, no, you know, it's not okay for them to be sleeping literally on the street in a parking lot, um, you know, under a bridge somewhere. For us to not, for that not to be a call to action is, is uh, you know, it's really sad. Is there anything particular that Yimby has done so far that you're like um, especially proud of? Um, I'm going to be a little bit biased because I am, you know, in Simi Valley. We've done, I, I feel we've done a lot of great things throughout the county, but I will be a little bit biased um, and advocate or highlight um, 
some of our victories here in Simi Valley, which is um, that we've been able to engage with other community members, um, you know, regarding housing policy, which is a, a racial justice issue, which is a racial equity issue. There is a lot of um, intricate uh, racism in housing policy. And so being able to engage leaders already in our community that are here that are fighting for that and who have helped us um, fight for housing policy, particularly there was a development um, in Simi Valley that got a lot of pushback. It was, um, it's going to bring um, a really high number of affordable units. And that was our focus. That was our fight. And we were able to engage a lot of community members and to advocate for that project and it, it did pass. So we are hoping to see that being built soon because we know how dire the need is for people who are not only currently in house, but are on the verge of losing housing. Um, it, so that was a, a big victory and very proud of that. So the Safe Park pilot program in Simi Valley, I know that that was also a really big accomplishment that I think a lot of people in Simi Valley have been excited about. Um, I was reading a city newsletter like that the city government sends out. Um, and on the city newsletter, it mentioned that only two people have taken advantage of this Safe Park pilot program since its creation. Um, and that they plan on only having it be in the winter time. Um, do you think that there's a particular reason that, you know, people aren't using this safe park pilot program in Simi Valley? Um, yes, I think that they were very clear and they were very adamant about the fact that they wanted a very, very defined group of people to be able to access that program. And I think that in creating a program like that, you create barriers right on purpose in order to really um, focus in on who you want to help, which is problematic. Um, but the barriers themselves are also, you know, problematic. And I think that in doing that, we really failed to, to make the program work. It was uh, barriers. We were not advertising for the fear of bringing in unhoused people from other places. Um, doesn't really make sense when what we're trying to do is 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 uh, provide a safe space for people that are currently in house that really, you know, can come from anywhere. Um, so that that was one of the messages that we heard time and time again. They did not want to attract other unhoused people to Simi Valley. Um, you know, they were very strict as far as uh, how to comply with the program, um, paperwork that had to be in regulation before you could be admitted to the program. Um, and I think the advertising of the program themselves, they really limited that. They almost like they didn't want it to be known. How do you think we can make the Safe Park Pilot Program better? Um, okay, so I will say something maybe a little bit out there, but I think it's warranted. We, I was a really big advocate for the Safe uh, Park pilot program, and there were a lot of people that advocated for it. There is uh, a lot of money that was allocated to that, and it, based on how the program is currently working, it did not work. 
you know, my hope would be that we already have an allocation of money. We know that there are people that are currently in house. If what we want to do is keep them safe and keep them housed or find them housing, then we need to do exactly that. We need to use the money from the safe pilot program and we need to pay for people to have a place to sleep. We have the ability to do that. The money is there. So um, a while back, probably in like 2017 or 2018, maybe, um, I heard of a way that like could be beneficial of helping unhoused people, um, you know, get housing and get back on their feet. And basically it was like, there's a traditional triangle method um, where the top of the triangle is to like get them, um, or maybe it was the bottom of the triangle. I don't really remember that well, but basically the way it was set up was like, you get them clothes and then you get them a job like the showers, everything like that. And then after they've gotten a job, they can then get housing. Um, and then I read that like a more effective way would actually be flip that triangle upside down. So you give them housing first and then from there on, you can move to making sure that they get a job and, and anything else like that, that they might need. Um, have you heard of this system before? Do you know if this is effective? Do you think this is something that we might be able to implement here in Simi Valley? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that um, that is something that happens a lot. I think those are like, you know, systems of worthiness that they implement, right? Um, whether, oh, let's see if they really want it. Let's see if, you know, if this person really wants uh, housing and then we'll provide it. So they have to do all of these things that are really big challenges already. And then we will provide them with a safe place to sleep. I disagree. Um, I, I believe that if we are talking about housing, it is a, it is a policy for people. And so you really have to think about, you know, what is our purpose? If our, if if we're talking about a housing issue, we're talking about our unhoused population and the fact that they don't have, that they're sleeping out in the street or don't have safe places to sleep in, whether they're sleeping in their car, whether they're, you know, um, they're couch surfing, they don't have stability because these are not just single folks, you know, we are talking about families that are affected, then we really need to talk about, we need to house people first. And then once we have securely giving them a place to sleep at night, to taking care of that really basic need, then we can move on to those other needs that, you know, probably do need to be addressed, but we need to house people first. Yeah, like like completing or satisfying Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Absolutely. Um, um, how can the average person in Simi Valley help the unhoused? I think they definitely need advocates, um, you know, and that that does mean showing up in community meetings, whether it's through official capacities, you know, that that's one way that we advocate, but it's not the only way. I know that there are folks that are providing direct action, you know, they are providing, um, there are services like PADS, um, and they are volunteering with uh, PADS, the PADS program, which provides, you know, winter shelter. So there are already folks doing direct action like that, you know, providing um, our unhoused population with, you know, it's blankets, whether it's tents, whatever, you know, those are direct actions that we can take. And we can also, you know, confront the leadership that has the ability to 
decide whether we're going to have a shelter built in Simi Valley for our, our unhoused population. Um, you know, whether we're going to allocate money to our unhoused population and they need to hear that. And unfortunately, you know, that, that does mean that you are engaging, um, you know, through those community meetings, um, through planning commission meetings or city council meetings. And I say, unfortunately, because it, it, it is frustrating, right. To, to show up, um, and not see policy moving in a way that, really thinks about the person that doesn't have anywhere to sleep, but it is important. It is one way to advocate. And it's a it's an important thing that we're missing in Simi Valley, that we need to have a lot of people and a lot more people show up through those avenues, as well as all the other avenues that, you know, provide direct action um, for our, our unhoused population that sometimes, you know, they're not able to attend these meetings. Um, and if we if we are able to um, you know have the time to do that, it 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 is a matter of public record that we are asking for these things, and we are asking leadership and the folks in positions of power to prioritize you know our unhoused population, our populations that are you know at, the, at risk of um, losing housing themselves. How can people get more involved in YIMBY and general um, housing advocacy? We are mostly active on Facebook. So we do have a website that you can visit. So, um, okay, so I'm going to give you um, a one way that you can get active um, and get involved in Ventura County YIMBY is by going to our website. So it is BC yimby.org stands for Ventura County YIMBY and you can visit our page you can sign up um, our email list to get information regarding in oncoming projects um, we have monthly meetings and we usually will post that information on our Facebook page which you can um, you can just look us up Ventura County YIMBY and you'll be able to find us on Facebook. You can join the group and we post, you know, regarding upcoming projects, uh, calls to action and our monthly meetings. And that's one way to um, engage, kind of know what, what's going on. How can I, you know, step, step up to the plate and do something. We can definitely provide you with direct action. Um, but yes, definitely visit um, Ventura County, um, bcmb.org. Okay, I'll be sure to sign up. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate having you here and having you talk to us about, you know, uh, unhoused folks and, and how we can help them. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And here's Adam, who's going to be talking with us about recycling myths. Well, hello, and welcome back to your favorite science segment on Radio Simi. And so today we're going to be talking about recycling, about why it's not as effective as you may think, and what we can do about it. So to start off, we can all know and agree that pollution in all of its forms whether it be air pollution through carbon dioxide or all sorts of it, is bad and we should try to stop pollution. And 
a big part of that pollution problem is stuff that you would obviously think of pollution, like trash. You know, plastic bags, plastic bottles, paper, cardboard, all the stuff you'd find in your trash can or in a dumpster. Well, as much as we would like to think that a lot of that, as we see, be is recycled, you know, taken and turned into something new, that is actually on the rare side of what happens to that. In fact, I found a statistic coming from nationalgeographic.com showing that 91% of plastic that is created globally is not recycled. Most of that plastic, 91%, that's almost all of it, doesn't end up getting turned into something new but rather is thrown into a landfill to sit and rot somewhere, most likely end up in our oceans and, you know, choking a sea turtle or something. It's, it's sad and it's disgusting when really we have the ability to recycle. And according to the EPA, out of the 267.8 million tons of solid waste that Americans have and we produce all of our trash... You know, solid trash, only 94.2 million tons are recycled or composted. When it comes to the breakdown of that, when it comes to paper and cardboard, 66% of that is recycled and or composted. 27% of glass is recycled and composted, and only 8% of plastics were recycled. Now, that comes from a myriad of factors, but the biggest one is that for the companies that produce these plastics and would then have to pay to get them recycled it's a lot cheaper and therefore they're gonna do it to just throw it into a landfill and make a new product it's so cheap that they'd rather create another product than spend a little bit extra to reuse what we already have and since profit pretty much drives everything that's what happens so given that's the problem what can we do about it well i can i would say for one that a big thing we can do is to buy things to last now in our society we usually buy a lot of stuff that we buy we use it once maybe use it a couple times and then we throw it away i'd say that we need to be a lot more conscious about what we do buy what we have not necessarily what we buy but what we throw away and also when you buy stuff buy stuff that doesn't contain as much plastics try to lower your plastic buying and just buy stuff that will last you 10 20 years rather than a day or two and that's really all we can do until these companies are forced to deal with the consequences and the personal responsibility of the stuff that they create. Well, that's all I can give on recycling today. Uh, tune in next time to see what topic I decide to talk about then. Until then, I will see all of you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye. This song is brought to us by a band called The Yesterday. This is their song, Please Tell Me. Make sure to follow their social media at underscore the underscore yesterday underscore and subscribe to them on Spotify. One, two, three, yo. What me and I'm
For that song from the yesterday called Please Tell Me. Thank you so much for listening to episode 16 of Radio See Me. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio See Me. Remember, if you want us to play your song, share your story, or feature your graphic art, reach out to us at tiny.cc/slash Radio See Me form. And if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our YouTube channel. All of our episodes are on Spotify, Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and YouTube. Thank you so much for listening, and tune in next week. 